Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sell Capaccio, sell Capaccio, sell Capaccio, sell Capaccio, sell Capaccio, on WGR. Well, we knew yesterday that Brandon Bean would be speaking in Indianapolis today, site of the annual NFL Combine. And when I spoke with Sal Capaccio yesterday, I started by asking him, what might we get out of this today like what is the right question for him and we talked about sal brought up free agents and of course the beginning of sort of the draft conversation but sal we got a bit of a stunner here that uh leslie frazier is taking a year off um i I don't think any of us really saw this coming what's your take yeah and and it was announced about an hour before he went to the media Mm -hmm. so the bill's kind of got ahead of it to let everybody know what was going on. So it wasn't like being announced it to everybody, but, you know, I would say good on them to put it out there so that he could answer questions about it, you know, and they then not just do it after that. Uh, my take is I'm not totally surprised that, that you know, Leslie Frazier is no longer going to be the defensive coordinator. I am surprised at the timing, though. I thought if this was going to happen and thought it could happen – it would have been done probably within the first few weeks of the offseason. Here we are on February 28th. The hiring cycle around the league is pretty much complete. Most teams have their staffs in place. There's a few tweaks going on here and there, including the Bills today. Um, so then this news comes down. Uh, the other part of it is just the way it's worded. You know, he will not He will. You know, not be a part of the team in 2023. He's going to take a year off. He plans to return to coach in 2024. Does not say with the Buffalo Bills. And Brandon Bean confirmed that they don't know if that will be with the Buffalo Bills. Um, This looks to me like it could be, in some way, shape, or form, a mutual parting of the ways. Although it was said by Bean and McDermott today that Leslie Frazier texted them a week ago, maybe a little over a week ago, to say that he didn't want to retire, but he wanted to step back. I I would have a hard time believing that there wouldn't have been conversations going on well before that, that they would at least be aware that that could be a possibility or even maybe initiating it. 
Okay, that's a little more than I think I knew about this, because I thought I had Bean saying that Frazier was going to be the defensive coordinator if not for this move. Is that, is that different than what you're saying? Okay, he did. He did, and and, and I'm saying that um, maybe they had talks and maybe they settled on, hey, you know, if you want to come back, you can come back. Maybe they thought, yeah, yes, you're right, Mike, and I should have taken that into account. So I shouldn't portray it as they were forcing him out in any way. I'm just wondering if talks between both of them ever – were going on prior to this where maybe they were involved with, you know, parting as it was. And at the end of the day, they gave Leslie Frazier time. He decided he wanted to part. He wanted to step down because he did say that Brandon Bean did say he would have been the defensive coordinator in 2023. If he had come back. Yes, I probably shouldn't have said it the way I said it, but I just think the overall point here is that I doubt the bills were totally caught by surprise. Okay. No, I appreciate the effort you're making on the words here. And I, I was doing the same. Yeah. Because I also thought it might have been notable that, like, so Breen, sorry, Brandon Bean tells the story. Frazier said he wasn't ready to retire, wanted to take a step back. He said the way we left it was he's going to take this yeah. year off. It wasn't that, it sounded like Bean, Bean certainly didn't say Frazier said he wanted to take a year off. Like, it wasn't specific like that. It was more just, okay, well, we got to figure something out here is how it sounded to me. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, um, if if you're right that the Bills have not were not blindsided by this and have had thoughts about or conversations about a future without Frazier, you know, that would help anybody who's worried that like they don't have a guy anymore. <laughs> that they, you know, now they have to go into the market and they weren't expecting to do that because if they did think this was a possibility, they probably have prepared themselves for that in some way. Well, I think there's circumstantial evidence that points to that anyway, and that's by the fact that Al Holcomb, even though he was officially hired today, had been reported to be hired several weeks ago yep. mm-hmm. with with a title that was basically kind of just senior defensive assistant, right? What does that mean? It can mean anything. You can put him anywhere. Senior defensive assistant could do a lot of different things. And we hadn't heard about really any coaching changes other than that. There had been Jim Salgado being fired, and then there was the report that, you know, now we know, too, Adam Henry was hired as a receivers coach, and then we knew Chad Hall was leaving. That was it. There really wasn't anything else. And for that to be something, a a respected NFL veteran coach that had ties with Sean McDermott to come into the organization in that capacity, my radar immediately went up and thought, okay, what does this mean? Does this mean that we're going to get news that Leslie Frazier is no longer the defensive coordinator? Then as weeks went on, it didn't seem like that was going to happen. Here we are today. That's why I think... They've probably set themselves up to at least, you know, know if this is going to happen, we are all set and prepared for this. Plus, I would also think now unless and and you said this earlier, there's always the possibility. We hope Leslie's okay. We hope everybody in his family's okay. There's always a possibility that something unforeseen happened, which he said, hey, I need to step away. That is possible. And then it did kind of come as a surprise to the bills. Um, So so leaving that out there. I, I would think, though, that Leslie Frazier even would have enough respect for the Bills that he would have been having those conversations with him, with them, to get to this point. I just don't see the way these these organizations and relationships work, that this was something that happened other other than maybe, like I said, something in his personal life. If it was professional and that's all it was about, that I would tend to think that both sides knew this was coming for a little while. Last five years under Frazier in yards in the NFL, the Bills ranked second, third, 14th, first, and sixth. 
Had a pretty good run, Sal. Like it's also one of the longest runs for a coordinator in the history of the Bills. I don't want to know. I don't. I don't think I want to say under the radar exactly, but you know how it is. Like other coaches who are play callers, they're offensive coordinators. You almost don't even know who they are. Like when who's Gailey's yeah. guy? Curtis Modkins. The Bills. <laughs> yes, right. The Bills had Curtis Modkins as their offensive coordinator under Gailey, but nobody ever said a word about Curtis Modkins. That wasn't exactly how it was <laughs> with Frazier, but it's McDermott's team. It's his defense. That's his side. And so um, I guess one thing from this is we'll see what might be different about a Sean McDermott defense that doesn't have Leslie Frazier running it. You know, it's funny you say that because Curtis Modkins, every time I see Todd Monken, I think about him because the name is so close and he's an offensive coordinator and he's going to the Ravens. And I think about that sometimes and that name comes into my head. Uh, So it's funny you mention him. Um, And you're right. And I I do think it's really fascinating what they're going to do because – they could just go the route of what I said. Maybe that's why Al Holcomb is here. In case this were to happen, if this was the way it was trending, they wanted to set themselves up, you have a guy. You also have a guy in Eric Washington on your staff already. was a defensive coordinator in Carolina. You also have um, you know, several other people on staff that you could take a look at if you feel that you know, they could um, be a guy. John Butler, maybe, who's been with McDermott for a while. They could also go outside the organization still. There's people that I'm sure Sean McDermott would have, you know, relationships with but unfortunately even if you wanted a lot of these people they probably already have jobs in other organizations by now and then you have if McDermott is going to be the play caller and I wonder if that's going to happen and I was actually the biggest the more stunning like thing that was said today from anyone to me was Brandon Bean saying that that's very much a possibility that Sean McDermott could wind up being the play caller on defense that he could he's going to run the defense for now then they'll see where they're at they'll decide what to do he'll be more heavily involved and I got the sense he will be more heavily involved no matter who the play caller is by the way just by the way they were talking and that maybe he will be the ultimate play caller so I I thought that was really interesting and if that is the case boy I'll tell you I I I just did a podcast with Matt Bove today and Matt said this so I want to give him credit he said he wants to really give McDermott kind of a lot of credit if he's going to do that for saying, I'm going to, I'm going to be the guy to put myself under the pressure here. Like he's, he's already the head coach. We know that. And he's already under enough pressure and they haven't reached their goals the last couple of years. And the way the last season ended, the way the defense did not perform in the playoffs, if he's going to insert himself there, then he's doing that and saying, all right, this is on me, win or lose. And I understand that now. Yeah, I'm trying to think through if I would mind for any reason. You know, like one sort of basic right. basic question would be, does he have room for it, like on a game day? But right. I don't know. I, I wouldn't assume no. Like, I think more than ever, coaches, and I think McDermott is one of them, are using other people to help them make the other head coachy decisions. You know, uh, fourth downs and timeouts and things like the NFL you know I mean teams have more people assisting in that and coaches have either they've been forced to or they've chosen to make room for that and really you know as the head coach what is sort of the I don't know I don't want to I'm not trying to put it down like what is the work right on a game day so sure. you know Andy Reid calls well plays. I I had a friend text me today and give that concern and said I already think that he you know, he doesn't have a great doesn't have a great record on replays and he's used questionable timeouts. I don't know if I agree with that as much. I think that I think you know sometimes that can be the case. It can be the case with any coach. I don't have an issue necessarily with overall how Sean uses or doesn't use timeouts. Um, but his point was, 
he doesn't feel his game management is so good that he can afford to take his focus off that just to call the defense. I think that's a legitimate concern if you actually believe the first part of that. Um, but Sean's been a, a coach in this league a long time. He's been a defensive coordinator in the league, successful, went to a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator, and now he's been a head coach for six years. And like you said, he has people. He's surrounded himself with a very good staff that he relies on people to help with a lot of those things. It's interesting. Ron Rivera apparently was asked today about Sean as a play caller on defense because of this. And he used the word aggressive, aggressive play caller, which, to be honest with you, Mike, is not the way we know the Bills defense no, over the last six no. years. They're it's, not aggressive. I, I think I think, Sal, you know, offense to Rivera. I think coaches sometimes don't have the words and aggressive is a right. word you would want to say about everybody. Like the the next yeah. coach that describes themselves or describes a colleague that they respect as as conservative. I mean, as there's passive. There's going to be the floor <laughs> is going to just automatically bottom out yeah. under them, and they're going to disappear into the into the abyss because no one would ever do that. <laughs> like aggressive is just you know it's like consistent. People use consistent to mean good when it really means just the same. <laughs> so it's one of those words. Like of, of course aggressive, but you're right. Like what 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 is the evidence? What does the evidence say? They're, you know they're. They're there. They're what the Bills are defensively. Not not just excellent over the years, but as relative to other teams, they use the same people, like the same formations, if not the same people. Like they they are not so variable. Or what is the word I actually want the, the football people use? When multiple, multiple, they use it as yeah, like multiple. That's a, right. a thing. Like we're we're multiple on offense. We're multiple on defense. The Bills are really not that. Uh, you you know, know, compared to the league. It, it's funny too because I think I, I think there's this false narrative um, perception of McDermott in a lot of ways that like he is he doesn't evolve and I think that's totally false but it's really been the involvement in evolvement on the offensive side that we've seen over the years you know going from a guy that had a rookie quarterback well Tyrod Taylor and you know they they were very conservative and knew they had to win with defense. Go to get a rookie quarterback in Josh Allen and really kind of played it close to the vest and then allowed, if you want to use the term, maybe to have Brian Dable open up the offense a little more. They come out against the Jets in 2019 and throw 20 straight passes, whatever it was, <laughs> you know, spread offense all over the place. And he's setting records, throwing 400 yards like he has. I think I think Sean McDermott has actually done a very good job of evolving from that side of the the ball. And even when it comes to the selection of Josh Allen with this organization, like taking the swing, going after the big quarterback. And, and they are, they're a pass heavy team. They're not, we, for all this time we talk about, Oh, he's going to lean on the run game. They haven't even done that. Right. I mean, they've, they've always kind of passed. And I think they've evolved really well on that side of the ball. Can, can they get better? Can they do different things? Yeah. But on defense, they really have kind of stayed the same, which is interesting. And it goes back to Carolina and what he ran there has really been his hallmark running here. They have not, evolved as much on defense but Sean used that word today he used the word evolve like if you're not evolving it with football you know you're not gonna keep up and I wonder if this is a signal that they're going to start doing some different things on defense well they might have to do it whatever they're going to do differently without Edmonds and Poyer and they've already played without Hyde but like that's a massive thing this that, that will be another way of scrutinizing this if those guys are not here and new people are here is like okay i mean i think no offense to the coaches meant at all like no disrespect hyde and poyer is a coach's dream i mean and they've been here since the first day 
with these guys. 100%. Like just veterans, always in the right place. The experience, the instincts, all of it just, I mean, what a dream for a coach to have these two guys on the field. And until this year, like constantly, nobody got hurt. Like they were just constantly on the field. This year was choppier with the injuries, and that was a part of it. So if you have, if you replace Edmonds, there isn't really a player exactly like him. Like if you replace Edmonds, that's going to change things a little bit. It's going to force you to. And Poyer would also force you to. You might have to cheat a little bit without a guy that just always knows where the ball is going. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that'll it'll make it harder. It will help if they do indeed get Micah Hyde back fully healthy. That, you know, I mean, I think that was a huge loss for them. And he can obviously really help in the secondary for all those things that you mentioned. And what Jordan was able to do with Micah, obviously they were, to me, for my money, they were the best tandem in the league overall for the last several years and they've been together for quite a while now um if you lose jordan poyer of course that's a really big loss it would help to have micah hyde because without the two of them they really struggled at times over the top giving up big plays and that was another thing you know mcdermott said today he spoke with one bills live and he said you know that even third and uh, third and long like it, it hurt them at times this year he recognizes that um and and knows that and i think that's a good sign that they're looking at hey why did that happen what do we need well Hey, you didn't have Micah Hyde, and you had Jordan Poyer banged up, and you missed a few games. That definitely is part of the reason. There is DeMar Hamlin as well, and we do have news on him today that uh, Brandon Bean said that his goal is to play again. And if he can get cleared, he's going to play football. So, you know, we'll see. And then he also mentioned Christian Benford being versatile and maybe being able to play safety next year, which we've talked about. So I think that's an area and a position that they definitely want to address and look at. Maybe they feel like their best options are internal. Um whether that is Hamlin again or Christian Benford and getting Micah Hyde back. But you're right, Mike. Like, it's not going to be the same without Jordan Poyer. They're going to have to do some work there. Boy, third and long. I think of two Hayden Hurst catches from the Bengal playoff game. The the second touchdown, it's third and seven, and he's alone in the end zone. It's Poyer and Edmonds who are sort of there. I just I, Coincidentally, it's those two guys. But there, there's that one. And then the one out of the timeout, third quarter, 17-10. Bengals are outside of field goal range, third and ten. The Bills call timeout, and the Bengals hit Hurst alone underneath. Just another mix-up. There were mix-ups that day that Mm -hmm. I really just don't really understand. Sal Capaccio on the West Her hotline. One more thing on this. Um, So the season ends, and teams can go after lower assistance on other teams. If I want your linebackers coach to be my defensive coordinator, I can get that. I think I can interview him and, you know, the team can promote him or they can risk losing him. Is it too late for that? Like, is protocol such that now if the Bills say they did not expect this and they they want to do a search, can they go do that the same way they would have been able a month ago? I think it's probably different now. I think they could still do it right now. I don't know how late you could even – you know, do that. I don't know. Maybe the new, I would say the new league year might count for this. Okay. March 15th. But protocol you know, might that, be different, Sal. Like now teams are mostly yeah. firmed up and could another coach, would, would you maybe expect another head coach to be like, really now? Like we, then we might need another assistant and the dominoes continue from there. No, but I remember, remember a few years ago, the, um, 
who was it? Carl Dunbar was the Bills defensive line coach. He was doing drills, literally doing drills at the combine as the Bills coach, and then he was fired like a few weeks later. And I'm mm. like, well, what's going on here? So not the same thing what you're saying, but there are coaching changes that do happen still, you know, around. And we saw them today with the Bills. I think Washington made some. But you're right, Mike. I, I don't. I, it would be a little bit weird to go calling on a team and saying, "Hey, we want to go poach this coach off your 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 staff right now." Um, for coaches, it does happen for front office though, because let's remember, front office that happens after the draft. The front office people are in place after the draft, and after the draft, that's when you start getting those people moving to other positions because they're getting promotions. So it does seem like it's a little late for that. But maybe we're still in that window before we get to free agency and maybe early March where something like that would still be kind of accepted around the league. Right. That was Bean, right? Like, was Bean up in Carolina when the Bills went and got him, or what was his status? Was I don't he, think so. I think he was just a candidate because he was— He was an assistant. You know, that he had that— he was an assistant. He had the relationship with McDermott. Yeah. I mean, Joe Shane, too, right? Joe Shane—I mean, not sorry. Um, uh, Joe Shane was it maybe— was it uh, when did they hire maybe Brian Gain? Guys like that. Brian Gain was fired. I'm trying to think when they first brought these guys on. Like being hired guys, then he brought guys over. You know, and that's generally what happens after the draft. I mean, the, we all know here in Buffalo, you know, Doug Whaley and Jim Mon- Monis and their staff, they were they finished out that year in 2017. Right. Once they're done, that's their Super Bowl. Really, that's when their year ends. And then it's like, okay, we're making changes to the front office staff because. If you make them before that, you're basically allowing all that intel to just walk out your door from everything that they've done on the college season. All right, well, we we did this the whole segment here. I know you wrote on running backs. When the day started, I'm like, yeah. I want to talk to Sal about running backs. It's my favorite position, that or wide receiver, to talk about. We never did it because of this. So, um, you know, I, no regrets or maybe anything. Tomorrow. But maybe tomorrow. But it's on the website. It's on the website, and um, it, there, there's nothing. Um, it's you know, hey, is James Cook ready for a, a lead role? What will will they even try to bring Devin Singletary back? I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. He's probably going to get, uh, you know, a better offer somewhere else to have an opportunity to continue to be like more of a main guy. And I think the big sticking point might be Naeem Hines' contract and what you do with that. And is he sticking around? Do you restructure it? Do you release him? What's his role look like? And even if his role is to be the number two guy, can you even afford that at four point eight million dollars? Man, if they don't say no to that question, Sal, I don't know. Like, you might not be where I am on this. That is such an easy cut. That is such an yeah. easy cut. They're, they're o- every reason. They're over. Like, he didn't. He returned kicks. He did fine at that. It's just, no way. Bean said more touches for James Cook. He averaged 6.4 a game. Damn right more touches for James Cook. I mean, it doesn't have to be double that. We'll see. That, that'll be sort of at the rate where you'd want him, considering where you drafted him. But... Yeah, it's going to be more than six. I would hope. Um, if James Cook, if James Cook had eleven more carries last year, he had eighty nine. If he had eleven more to get to one hundred, and he maintained what he was doing through those eleven carries on average, he would have been the number one running back in the league in yards per carry. Now, those eleven carries could have brought him down. I understand that, but he averaged five point six nine yards per carry. That would have been number one amongst all running backs in the league if he had qualified for league leaders. Status and he needed eleven more carries to do that. Note that Sal said running back because there might have been how many Correct. quarterbacks above that? Four. You want to guess? I know. Hertz, Fields, um, Jackson, Allen. I don't know. Is that it? Uh, I don't think Hertz is on there. It's Jackson, Allen, Fields, and Daniel Jones. Four of them. Okay, Daniel Jones. Really hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what? 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The sneaks. Oh, yeah, that's Hurts. right. That's a good good point. Yeah, right? Yeah. He probably had yeah. 30 one-yard runs. <laughs> that didn't help his <laughs> We average. can talk about that tomorrow, too, by the way. They're addressing that quarterback sneak and pushing and all that. This what week. do you think they'll do? I do not think they'll change it. I don't like it. I wish they'd change it. I, I don't like the play. I know the Bills have benefited from it, but there seems to be too much sentiment to keep it because it's useful and how teams have now basically said not only can we do it and can we do it successfully, but we can now start basically doing other things off that with the formation and what it looks like and expanding it. So it feels like there's not enough momentum to stop it and teams want to keep it going, A lot of, enough teams. I don't like it. I wish they'd get rid of it. I agree with your opinion and with those points, and I might also add it's not, not that the league would – notice this or care but for me it's like okay there's going to be one more rule football doesn't have enough rules right now we got one more yeah. thing we got to watch for is did he actually did goddard actually push hurts did knox actually touch allen's butt pushing him forward or no he actually <laughs> right. didn't that should have counted oh my god yeah oh my god no <laughs> I'll, t- I'll live with the sneaks i'll live with the rugby malls if i have to i just don't want any more rules please thank you sal you got it Sal Capaccio coverage of the Combine, which I sort of that was a little bit. I think the word Combine was said. Brought to you by Outlet Liquor, your place to buy a case. Outlet Liquor and OutletLiquor.com. Time out here for the update. Real quick first, and I know I'm already late, Columbus at Buffalo tonight, Blue Jackets, Sabres. Elvis Merzlikens is expected to be Columbus's goalie, but they, they are benching their other goalie for the old or the new trade-related reasons. So Corpusalo is their other goalie. He will not dress. They've called up a guy, Jet Graves, to presumably back up Merz Lickens. And it's likely Anderson for the Sabres. Mike Shope here, Bulldog is off. Give me a call, 803-0550. This is WGR. If Sean decided to take over the play calling, I've seen him do it for a long time. Great success. He's going against some great quarterbacks in his day and offensive gurus that you have to beat. And so, you know, that would be great. If that's the route he feels is best for us, you know, I'm going to support that and uh, full faith that he would do a great job if it came to that. Brandon Bean, I'm not saying he doesn't mean it. Just imagine if he said the opposite. Play the opposite game. Run the test. Imagine if he said, I have no confidence in Sean McDermott to run the defense. What happens? Just come on. 
I'm not saying he doesn't mean it, but the, the test is, not that I'm not a part of an organization here in the media, but the test is, if you think about what the opposite would sound like, and it would be impossible that it would be said, then the clip has no value. The quote has no value. I mean, Brandon Bean saying he has confidence in Sean McDermott is just has no value. I know, media friends, I know that sometimes that leaves you with like almost nothing to work with if you use the opposite test. Oh no, I don't have any material at all, actually, because every single thing that was said at this press conference was actually, it would be absurd to think it would even be possible that the opposite would be said. So, got to use something. I need 30 seconds here. Got to do better then. Got to come up, got to find it. Got to find, got to find somebody who will tell you something, the opposite of which is not beyond the realm of possibility. That is what we need. Thank you. Commentary offered from my comfy chair here in this studio. Uh, You know, I have a window. I can see outside. I have a TV. I have a computer. I have a phone. It's kind of, I got it good. I got it good. Here's Patrick with us. Hi, Patrick. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Okay. Good. Um, Hey, I just wanted to call um, to see, I guess, how you and maybe uh, you can speak sort of on behalf of your listeners, how you're feeling about this upcoming draft. Um, You know, I've been a Bills fan for a long time and a season ticket holder for a long time, and both during the drought and then even in these first few years of real sustained success, the draft is always you know, well-timed because the, the sting of the last season has worn off and, you know, you start to feel optimistic about the, the next season. But, um, you know, after the, after the Chiefs lost two years ago, you know, that was horrible. But you could sort of say, well, that was a, a true, true fluke and that happens and what can you do? And then we have this season where, you know, obviously everything happened with Hamlin and all that. And that's also sort of a crazy fluke. But we just kind of get killed at home um, by the Bengals. And, you know, we come into this off season and it's like, it's like, it's hard to criticize Bean and McDermott because they were so bad before they got here. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, McDermott has seemed somewhat limited against the elite coaches and, and Bean, God bless him for, for drafting Allen. Um, but the rest of his, his draft resume is, is actually quite poor. So, so as we, you know, we're a month removed from this Bengals loss and we're coming up, start talking about the draft, and it's like I didn't leave that Bengals game feeling like, oh, we're, we're a safety away or we're a guard away. Like it seemed like we almost regressed. So I guess I'm wondering, you know, in summary, how are you feeling about this draft and free agency? Are you still encouraged and optimistic about, you know, this upcoming season? Or are you feeling any of that, I guess, discouragement as well? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Um, I'm encouraged. I'm optimistic for them. Most teams would rather be the Bills than themselves. If you could trade everything for the Bills, everything, you'd do it. There are two or three teams, maybe more, that wouldn't. So that's that's a good starting point. I am not really a believer in that any of these guys on the NFL level are better at the draft, like con- considerably better at the draft than anybody else. I mean... There are examples of teams that have done very well, like their their understanding of value is really good. Baltimore is the first team that comes to mind for this. Like they're considered excellent. 
But I mean, it does. It's not at all that they don't miss. I mean, they also drafted Hayden Hurst before Lamar Jackson. Like in, in the year they drafted Lamar Jackson. Like there's always that. And then there there can be. It's easier to accept just logically that there are teams that or GMs that are bad at it. Like it wouldn't be that hard to be bad at it. It would be hard to get away with it for very long in the job, but it wouldn't really be that hard to be bad at it. You just basically would ignore the consensus value. You know, you'd sort of just kind of wing it and you could be bad at it, but I don't think really teams are better at it than other teams to a large extent. And where does that leave Buffalo? It leaves them in the the middle, like the vast middle with almost every other team. I don't think Bean is bad at it. I neither ever thought that he was great at it. Like he's a, a guy who's doing it. And I've said forever that if anybody with some basic knowledge of the NFL, you don't have to agree with this. Many people have told me they don't, but had a collection of not mock drafts only, but rankings and like the information that's very sophisticated and publicly available, and anybody who's really into the draft would have to acknowledge this and recognize this. They could do as well as NFL teams, I think, over over the years. I think they could do as well. I, I asked Mel Kuyper, this, this is how long ago I've been carrying this around. I asked Mel Kuyper this question when I worked for ESPN, which could not have been later than 2005. So at some point that long ago, I'm walking around with, like, Mel. I, like, we were friends. Like, Mel, like, you... If I had your book and an NFL team, how would I do if I just drafted out of your book? He's like, he'd be biased, but, you know, he, he said, I think you'd do well. He said, Mike, I think you'd do well. <laughs> and so, like, I thought what I wouldn't do is just use one guy. I would use them all. And there are probably literally hundreds at this point. Anyway, I'm. it's a tangent. I, I don't think there's any reason at all to be pessimistic about the Bills in this draft. Where I think they have gone wrong, and this is not, revisionist history, is a little bit too much of an obsession about the D-line up top in these drafts. That goes all the way back to Oliver. That Oliver was the Quinn and Williams day when we were kind of scared into thinking the Bills were going to trade up for Quinn and Williams. Who's really good? How is his team done? Now, that's a lot of positions, and that's its own conversation. But Oliver to Rousseau to Basham Epinesa, all right, enough. And they haven't really gotten the job done, ultimately, when it's mattered the most. So, enough. Um, offensive line needs work. Receiver needs work. At least, I think, it does. Um, you'll need a couple of defensive starters, even, maybe, through free agency or the draft. No reason to be pessimistic for them. Like, I know, I said it the, the, right after the season, you guys are not going to want to hear about the Super Bowl odds all the time anymore. All right, that was fun. They lost. Don't tell me again about the odds. They're the second choice in the AFC, if not the NFL. Like, they are right there again behind the Chiefs. So um, I would be optimistic for them, excited for them, but um, definitely not pessimistic. Thanks, Patrick. Here's George next. Hi, George. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I got two comments, a Bills one and a Sabres one, and I just want to know your thoughts on it. Okay. First one is uh, about the Bills. So um, my comment is is that I'm thinking that why can't we just settle with a top 15 defense? Why are we always obsessed with a top five or better defense? So why can't we just cut who we need to cut, trade who we need to trade, not re-sign Tremaine Edmonds, and take that cap room 
and picks or whatever and trade. And I don't have any names for this, so I'm going to be up front with that. But do like how we did with Stephon Diggs and bring in another number one receiver and just settle with having a, a top 15 defense that can still get the job done in, you know, in most cases. And then my Sabres comment is, I know you had Chad Diedemannis on either yesterday or the day before yesterday. talking yep. about uh, goalies um, after the trade deadline. Their winning percentage is like a losing win percentage, and it's not really as great as people make it out to be. Yes. However, in our case, I would say the Sabres, we're on such a clip right now, and we have two of the top-scoring lines in the NHL that we're not asking a goalie to come in and stand on his head. We just need a goalie to come in and make those couple extra big saves so that we're not always, you know, losing a one-goal game or eking out, like, you know, a 6-5 win, that they can make those couple extra saves. So, you know, okay, there's a breakaway, but, you know, we can depend on that goalie back. We're not asking him to stand on his head. So in our case, and again, I don't have a name, I think we should identify that goalie and bring them in, and I think that would buck the trend that Chad was talking about. All right. Thanks, George. Um, I think you'd be really curious if they traded for a goalie. There are lots of trades already. It's been fun already this week. I'd be really curious if the Sabres did that because they have three, and each has their own value. Um, Anderson's been their best goalie, playing more sporadically, and so I'm not looking to take him out if I'm in a playoff race. He's been the best guy. And then you have Lucan in, who you have a little bit of hope for the future with, and as perhaps as soon as next year and the present. And then you have Comrie, who's just not gotten into any kind of rhythm yet. It'd be interesting if they did that, because it'd have to be somebody good enough to play, what, at least every other game, you know, or else why bother? And I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. But I certainly understand why somebody would want it. Like, you want better goaltending from the Sabres. I'm not a when-are-the-goals-scored guy. I am a how-many-goals-are-scored guy because, you know, anything can feel like a big moment or anything like that, but they all count the same. I want a guy who makes more than 90% of the saves. Can I, can I have that? If I have that, I have a better team. Thanks again, George. Mike Shope here. Bulldog is off this week. Lines are open for now. We're going to talk a little Chicago Bears Number one overall pick, top of the hour, and then get you to hockey. This is WGR. The Sabres home to Columbus tonight, another 7.30 home start. I think there are two more 7.30 games next week. Who do do I have to talk to? There's got to be somebody I can talk to about this. Monday and Tuesday. Next week, home to Edmonton at the Islanders, both 7.30 games. What's the best starting time for a hockey game for you, like in your life? What would be the best time? For me, it'd be 10.30 in the morning. Uh, That would be the best because I I don't have any chance. I say this. (laughs) I I should make sure I can get away with saying this. I don't have any chance of sleeping through the game. Like I'm going to I'm going to be up for a 10.30 game. Um, and then it's before my shift. So that would be perfect. I don't have anything to watch at 10.30 except old shows. We did have that one game this year that was at, like, what, 2 o'clock or something like that in the afternoon. We had that going on during the show. That was pretty that, good. That happens. Give you know, a, holidays. Give, give me a noon game, though. I want that to be done before I have to come to work, kind of relax, don't have to wake up too early. If it has to be at night, 7 is the latest it should ever be. Correct, yes. Oh, I, I, I you, thought I liked Sabres after dark. I don't. I hate it. Well, I mean, if they're playing in a different time zone, I would so be it. Like they don't have to play seven my time, I think. But like for a home game, 
you that's it's fair enough. You get enough time to get down there. And when are you getting home? Ten, ten fifteen. That that'll do. Seven thirty is even like it's it's different. Ten thirty in the morning. Because what am I watching? I'm never watching TV at ten thirty in the morning. Because it would only be. Like, I'm watching the West Wing again lately. I'm watching the West Wing at 10.30 in the morning if the TV's on. They did not... Can anybody explain to me... Like, there's two people in the world who care about this. Uh, I'm one of them. I just have not yet met the other. For the last several years... I'm sorry, this is indulgent, but I'm going to do it. For the last several years, I have watched every draw of the top men's and women's curling events in Canada on YouTube that would be posted the day after they were played. They would never be there live, and I can't watch it because it would be it would be horrific, right, if you and I had access here in the United States to Canadian sports coverage, like live on the Internet or something. I know. That, that can't happen. We can't live in a world like that. But I was still – I was a junkie for it. The Scotties would start. That's the women's. That was first. Draw one would start on a Friday night. By Saturday night or by Sunday morning, it was up, the whole thing. None of these scam artists, third party, click on a live stream, and then you got to go to their website to watch it. Never, ever, ever. TSN would put it up. So here was the Scotties. It started a week ago Friday, and on Saturday night, I'm looking for it. It's not there. Okay, Sunday morning, it's not there. They never did it. None of it was ever there. It ended on Sunday. I know who won. It, It ended... It's over, and they never put the draws up on YouTube. So I tweeted at him, and then I tweeted at him indirectly, responding to someone else who was actually someone in the world who thought of me when they were in- interested in the curling, and I was very touched, and I said, I can't, I'm blacked out. I can't see any of it unless I go to these scam sites, which I never, ever, ever will. People in the world talk like it's so hard to know when you're being scammed. It is so easy. It is so easy to know the difference Like, if it isn't from TSN Curling, no, I'm not clicking on it. No. I want to watch it very, very badly. More than any person I've ever met, I think. It's not there. They never did it. So I was talking about this with my wife today. Like, I need to know why. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Why could it have been the case? Why was it the case that TSN didn't do that? I think it could be almost anything. I think that could include in this day and age, oh, well, Brad or somebody was the one who would upload those those draws and, you know, cutbacks. So Brad doesn't work here anymore. And, you know, this just got the ball got dropped. It could be that. I would understand that. 
I wouldn't like it, but that's the world now, right? Like things are late or things are just slow or things are just different because big companies don't have as many employees. So that's one possibility with TSN is they fired Brad or Lisa or somebody whose job this was, maybe. Or maybe there was a scandal. Or maybe it's like the law now or something. There might be some like different reason why this does that this did not happen. The Briar is next. It's next week. And I'm thinking like it's going to be the same thing and I can't watch any of it unless I which I've done. I I've actually done this. When I had a day free, I drove to Canada and sat at a bar and watched it live once. This was two years ago. After COVID. Like I did I did that. I crossed the border once it was allowable to cross the border. I went over and I went to a place and watched the the Briar. Like I bought it bad. And I got used to it, and it's gone, and I don't know why. They won't respond to me, because who am I? Why would they respond to me? I don't mean, like, did they respond to anybody? Is that, does anybody in the States ever ask them, like, what happened? Or ever, like, I was commenting on it. I, I was just, like, I'm the most into it of anybody I know. And it was deprived of, well, I want to say us, but it might be just me. And maybe they just didn't see any value in it. No one watched them. I don't know. There, there would be a reason but I don't know it, and I can't find out. I could be, I'm very close to being the, the, the person that calls the place to complain and what, ask the question, and somebody will pick up and have no idea what I'm talking about. And, oh, no, no, it was on. We aired it. I, I, you're not listening. I'm in the States. Oh, well, you can't watch it in the States. I'm imagining having this conversation, and I dread it, but I'm close to, I'm close because I cannot get a response my way, you know? And so... What do you think? All right. Time out for sports. Sabres and Blue Jackets at 6.30 pregame, 6.30 on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 